Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. Um, I have no real reason to call you other than to say that anytime I listen to your podcast, it makes me want to go play The Sims because the music you have picked for your podcast sounds so much like The Sims and all these things pop in my head. I'm like, man, I miss wasting hours living a fake life in a fake game. What's going on, everybody? I am Joe Richter, and welcome back to Hindsightless, the occasional podcast where I talk about role-playing games, life, or whatever else is going on. But mostly role-playing games, I promise. What's going on, everybody? How are you doing? I hope y'all are having a really good day. That was Josh from JB Publishing at the top of the episode, and I can't remember if I published that before or not, but every time I listen to that message, it just makes me really, really happy. So I had to put it there again. Thank you so much for that, Josh. That was awesome. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, last session that I played in of the Black Hack run by Dave Aldrich of Deep Percentile because it was so much fun. I had a blast. Uh, but the crux of this episode is going to be about my experience using Roll20 for the first time as a blind person, a person with visual disabilities. I'll talk a little bit about the game ran by Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. It was uh, the new cyberpunk ICRPG game, and the game itself was super fun, but I want to focus mainly on my experience with Roll20 and the, you know, the accessibility and usability and all that stuff. But Before we get into all of that, folks, I have a slew of really great call-ins from all of you fantastic anchorites responding to my last episode about my first time running the Black Hack. So let's dig into those. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So I just listened to your Black Hack episode, and I loved how you did the, uh, the wolf the size of the horses or whatever. I liked how you had, if they rolled over, they did damage but if they rolled over with an even number they were also tripped up i like that a lot that's why i love this game you can make up crazy little rules just like that and another thing how you're talking about is a lot of osr games rolling under some of them are and some of them are getting more to that point but i mainly look at a character sheet if the character sheet looks simple then i look at the character rules And honestly, I judge most games by their character sheet and character creation because that really does determine how easy and fast a game will run. Hey, what's up, Josh? Thanks for calling in, dude. Yeah, I love the fact that it's so easy to make monsters just on the fly in the Black Hack. It's such a cool little feature of that game, and it's one of the reasons that I enjoy it so much. And dude... If you focus on character sheets, I hope you don't ever take a look at Pathfinder 2E. (laughs) Those character sheets are a mess. They are super complicated. I think it's probably three pages. I don't really look at them because I run the game. But I'm pretty sure they're... I know they're at least two. I think they're three. They might even be four, but I don't think so. So, yeah, man. Like, (laughs) don't check out that system. But I I hear what you're saying. Like, if the character sheet is simple and character creation is simple, the game is probably going to be pretty simple, too, which is awesome. I just don't know if... And I know you're not saying this at all. It's just something that pops into my mind because I hear 
a bunch of people talking about how OSR games are simpler and then better. But I don't know that simpler is always necessarily better. And like I said, you are absolutely not saying that. Um, so, yeah, please don't think that I think that you think that. <laughs> anyway, man, thank you so much for your call in, dude. And let's see what Colin has to say. Joe, man, got a rake of stuff to say. Let's see how I get on. Firstly, Defrost Doom, that rocks. Enjoyed your uh, suggestions and your review of it. High energy, as always. Awesome. Maps. Talking about maps. How can we do maps to suit somebody who's struggling to see? Is it is it possible? Is it a matter of high contrast? Something you can, something digital that you can zoom into? I don't know. Perhaps you could give us a bit more info. I'd love to hear how you could be accommodated more. Likewise, I know you're struggling with Discord. If ever I can assist you there, keeping you abreast of things, let me know. Um, what else? Oh, there's just too much. The list goes on. I'll leave it there. Take care, mate. Catch you later. And what can I say? Obviously, Spike Pit flubbed his call in. As soon as I hit the stop record button, I thought of what it was. Black Hack. You ran Black Hack, mate. Great news. Yeah, Dave Aldridge has done a blinded job running that, getting everybody excited. I'm going to be running it now myself. Come up with a little thing called windings and back doubles. It's not necessarily black hack, but it's an idea of people playing like a street urchin's funnel. I'm going to start out with black hack, but the idea is you can drop it in almost any city kind of urban setting. So we'll see how that goes. I've put info up on the Discord about it. There'll be more going there, plus I'm adding it on my Patreon. And... uh, yeah, maybe I'll do some call-ins and talk about it on the show so that you can listen. Take care, mate. Dude, Colin, before I get in on responding to your message, I just wanted to say thank you so much, man, for sending me... So Colin sent me a high-contrast map of the Caves of Chaos because I'd been talking a little bit about the Keep on the Borderlands which I had to intentionally say because my brain was just screaming at me to say keep off the Borderlands. But anyway, I've been talking about keep on the Borderlands in the Audio Dungeon Discord and, you know, talking about how it would be difficult for me to run that sort of adventure because of the way the map is laid out and everything and just running pre-made dungeons in general because of the map. And so Colin, on his own volition, just emailed me a high contrast map of the Caves of Chaos and then, you know, left that awesome message asking about what could be done, you know, more to make that stuff more accessible to folks like me. And God damn it, dude, that just really hit me right in the heart, dude. And I just super appreciate it, Colin. But yeah, high contrast from it's obviously it's different for different people depending on what their actual visual disability is for me contrast is key um absolutely and yeah digital is a requirement so like you pointed out so i can zoom in zoom out as much as needs be and 
yeah, like those two things are, are they're the prime requisites for a usable map for me. Uh, and for other stuff like text, you know, I have a hard time with text in general, but especially like I said to you in my email call and especially with like different fonts or people's handwritings or that kind of stuff, because my eyes pick out patterns as opposed to the actual letters and words, I kind of know the shapes of them and I put that together in my brain. So when letters have different shapes, it makes it hard. And I, <laughs> that really sounds weird as shit, but that's the way my brain deals with the lack of information that my eyes give them. And yeah, I am super excited to hear more about your Victorian street urchin game. Uh, my garbage men are pretty excited about it too so they're honking their horn um but it sounds awesome and with christmas coming up i wonder if you've heard i just learned that back in victorian times there used to be this tradition around christmas time where folks would get together and tell ghost stories around the fireplace on christmas eve and i think that is awesome i think that sounds like something that could fit in real nicely into your game so I wanted to put that out there. So thanks so much, Colin, for your call-in and for that map. And just for being an awesome dude and caring about other people. Thanks, man. All right. Shandy Andy, take it away, my friend. Hey, up, Joe. Shandy Andy here. Love the episode on you running your black hack. Love to hear your enthusiasm about it. And it's definitely a game I feel... I could GM as well. It's certainly on my short list of top games now to play and to GM. As for your question about the OSR, ooh, touchy subject, but I would say this. I actually ran D&D 5th Ed for my wife for, a, um, I don't know, probably half a dozen sessions, having just really read about the characters and skimmed through uh, the combat and the magic, and worked perfectly fine. Was it something that a lot of people had called D&D 5th Ed? Probably not, but it was a close approximation and it worked fine. So I, I think a lot of systems you can actually run without having read all the rules. Hey, Andy. Thanks for the call-in, man, and thanks for <laughs> saying those nice things about my episode. You know, I don't have a whole lot to say, so I figure the least I can do is offer some enthusiasm about stuff. My information and knowledge is not nearly as vast as so many of y'all out here, so I do <laughs> I do what I can, man. And honestly, I didn't mean that question that I asked in the Audio Dungeon Discord uh, to be controversial. I was asking, I meant it as like an honest question if... That's if most OSR games are, you know, runnable just from reading the rules. But like you pointed out, that's probably true of a lot of games. Uh, I read the character creation rules for Pathfinder 2nd Edition before I read the GM section. And that did give me a lot of the information I needed. I just found the Black Hack just such an easy fit from just having played a few sessions and read the character creation rules to just be able to just wing it on the fly. And you, Andy, would absolutely have no trouble running it. It's a fantastic little system, as you know, because we played together, which was great. 
And I just really appreciate you listening to my show and for calling in, dude. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. All right, uh, folks, you might want to turn down your volume a little bit. Jason comes in a little bit hot right here, but take it away, Jason. Hey, Joe, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Two quick, well, as far as OSR games, it depends on the game. I, I know that's not necessarily the answer you wanted, but it depends on the game whether the character creation is enough to run the game. A lot of times the information in the character section is... Some of the games have something weird with the monsters or something else. Lots of random stuff. But, I mean, you can kind of figure that. Most of the games, if you played as a player, you could run as a GM without a problem. You, you know what I mean? You see you see enough behind the screen. Um, but it, it does kind of vary a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think so. Like, Tunnels and Trolls is that way. Once you understand character creation and how things work, you could definitely run Tunnels and Trolls. That's simple enough to do that, too. So, I don't know. And my other question for you is, did you use the quantum gear idea? And I'm going to have to leave another message. Jason, what's up, dude? Before I get into responding to your message, I just want to say thank you one more time for running a great game of Cyberpunk ICRPG. I love that system. I'll get into it some more later. But I had a blast playing uh, with Eric and Carl and Ethereal Dragon. I'd never met any of those dudes before, so thank you for introducing me to some cool new people. Anyway, in regards to the Quantum Adventurers pack, uh, which I will describe here in a second because Jason's second message got kind of messed up where he actually describes what it is. Uh, Jason, much to my chagrin, I forgot to use it. I was scrambling around thinking about a system to play and it just totally spaced my mind, which really bums me out because it's my one of my new favorite little mechanisms that I've ever come across. So what it is, folks, is instead of having an adventurer's kit listed out every single item, what's in there? No, 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 no. You just get an adventurer's kit and it has X number of uses, say six, you know? So you come up to a situation where you need a shovel or a rope or a climbing kit or a torch or something, and you just say, I have this in my bag. And you mark off one of the uses and you write down, now I have a shovel. And it has to be mundane items, can't be anything magical, but it is such a time saver and a headache saver, and I love it so much. I'll absolutely use it the next time I play Black Hack. But honestly, the next time I run any big campaign, I'm absolutely using it because I just think it's so fantastic, man. Yeah, so thank you for my game of ICRPG that I got to play in. Thank you for your message, dude. And let's get into how that game went and how my game of... The black hack went that I just played in. I had the pleasure of playing in another session of the black hack as ran by Dave Aldridge of Deeper Centile and Purple Worm fame. And oh my God, it was so much, it was so much fun. Uh, I came in a little late, but you know, that happens sometimes, but, you know, they s slotted me right in, got right into the thick of things. And I didn't want to play Wit this time because he's already third level. And I just figured 
I wanted to try a different, you know, one of the other three classes. So I went with my cleric, whose name was 66. Um, The number is 66, not 6D6, which that would have been pretty fun, too. But I'd never played the cleric before, so that was really cool. And I had it in my mind going into the game. I want to be the first one in the graveyard because there is a graveyard set up for Dave to throw all of the, you know, we submitted all of our character sheets to Google Docs or wherever, some technology thing. I don't know. I just do things. (laughs) Uh, And I wanted to be the first one in there. I wanted to be dead. I thought that would be awesome. And so at the end of the adventure, we were facing off against a goddamn were shark. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm dead. Everyone's jumping in the water and trying, like there's this bridge that's been out and there's a rapidly flowing current going around and there's a were shark chasing us. And so I told the group I would hold it off. I'm holding the rope in one hand, fighting this were shark with my flail in the other hand and just failing my strength checks to hold on to that rope just fumbling them so people were getting sucked underwater people are taking damage from getting bashed up against rocks all the while i'm fighting off this were shark and it's biting into me and eventually my companions scrabbled up to the side on the other side of the bridge so they were safe and i decided screw it i'm jumping in the water so I jump in the water. This were shark comes in after me, and now I'm in big trouble. And now I'm smiling, thinking, "Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm dead now, man. I am dead now." But it, he bit me again with the attack of opportunity. I was down to one hit point, and it was my turn. And I had to decide: Am I going to climb up the rope and take another attack? Maybe he'll miss, but probably not. Or am I going to try and finish this thing off? And I would have had disadvantage because we were in the water and I was all jacked up, dude. I was down to one hit point, but I got to call on my background as a priest of the Lord of Pain to, instead of having advantage, I just had a straight up roll. That's one of the little cool mechanisms of the black hack. You can call on your background once per day and get advantage on a roll or cancel disadvantage. So I had one roll, and before I rolled, Dave said, okay, he's down to three hit points. I just want you to know. So I rolled, and I hit. That was amazing. And he's like, yeah, three hit points on a D6. No pluses, no nothing, just a straight D6 roll. So I pointed the webcam on my computer down to where I'd be rolling my dice. So hopefully I figured they might be able to see. I wouldn't be able to see, but I rolled it and I just heard a bunch of people start cheering. So I was like, what did I roll? And they're like, you rolled a three. And it was awesome. (laughs) Like those kind of moments in gaming, like this is a character I had no connections with or anything. First time ever playing them, but that shit doesn't matter. You just get down to those moments where it all comes down, biting your nails to what single die roll, what's going to happen and boom success or failure either way it's amazing i'll remember that story for a long long time i'm pleased 66 didn't die though i wouldn't have been sad if he had somebody's going to be the first one in that graveyard damn it and i hope it's me so yeah that's uh that's the black hack and folks if you want to get in on it dave has extended the offer to anyone it's on the audio dungeon discord Uh, Then there's a Black Hack 2E channel on the Audio Dungeon server. You can go in there. You can talk to folks, figure out 
when people are playing. Like I said, it's a West Marches style game, so you can just pop in and out whenever. You don't have to worry about committing to a big campaign or anything. But it is so much fun, and Dave is doing such an amazing job of running it. So check that out. All right, folks, what you've all been waiting for. Let's do this. Let's see what a blind guy has to say about Roll20. In short, if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, I'm not about it. It suffers from what so many apps and software and programs suffer from. Because there are laws here in the States where you have to meet certain accessibility standards to make your program or whatever accessible to people with disabilities. And so companies, some more than others, try their best to meet those regulations. Granted, there are no penalties for those laws, so they're, they got no teeth, so, you know, they're not really laws, but they're supposed to be. Anyway, that's another topic. However, there are no laws or regulations or guidelines that talk about usability, which is how easy the program is to use if you're a person with disabilities. I was able to get into Roll20 and set up an account, no problem. No problem whatsoever. You know, voiceover worked great, magnification worked great, all my, you know, adaptability tools were fine getting into Roll20, but once you're in there, usability goes out the window. Um, the controls are all really small. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I pressed a button wrong and everything went funky for a while. I, I did not enjoy the experience at all. I love the way that Jason talks about using it and some other folks have talked about using it just as kind of like a whiteboard or bulletin board where you post up pictures or just sketch out quick little maps. That would be totally fine. Um, but as far as like tactical games go, yeah, I, that it's not for... It's not for me. I, I did not enjoy it as a person with visual disabilities. So that being said, I mean, that's my quick review as a person with a disability. But now what was my just overall thoughts as just, you know, a person using Roll20 for the first time? I thought it was cool. Uh, the tactical aspects that we played. So I played... Uh, we were using ICRPG, the new cyberpunk edition that's coming out. It's still in Kickstarter, I think, but we were using the quick start rules. Dave, I'm sorry, did not run it. <laughs> not Dave. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast ran it and did a good job. It's a fantastic system. So this is also going to be a quick little review of ICRPG. I've read the rules a little bit. I've played one session and I am in love with it. It is fantastic. The surge dice mechanic is amazing. It makes your characters feel like a badass, but not too overpowered and invincible. My character did finally end up dying at the very end. It was an epic death. I loved it. I challenged somebody to a sword fight. This samurai woman wielding two katanas, she agreed and cut off my head. Boom, game over. <laughs> 
awesome, dude. But that was at pretty much the end of the adventure, so I, it was a great way to go. But yeah, I was kind of talking about it on the Audio Dungeon Discord a little bit. I don't know that the tactical aspects of Roll20 with the maps and the measuring and all that stuff, I don't know that that adds much to a system like ICRPG where the ranges are broken down into four. I think there's close, near, far, and distant. So it's not necessarily dependent on tactical mini combat when you get into combat with your miniatures and the battle map and everything. It's not like Pathfinder or D&D 5th Edition or 3.5 or 4E that's specifically designed for mini and map combat. ICRPG kind of gets away from that a little bit and I think that would just like speed up the whole thing overall. But yeah, so Roll20, not for me. Uh, not a fan of it as a blind person and just don't really see the need for it for that particular system for ICRPG. Um, yeah, I don't really see the need for it. But anyway, that's my thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts, folks. I'm sure some of you have things to say about Roll20, about ICRPG, about you know what it's like playing online as a blind person. I don't know. If you have questions, ask. If you have comments, leave them. I love to hear from all of you each and every time. All right, let me get out of here. Okay, that is enough from me for today. But before I sign off, folks, I just want to say a big thank you to all the people who took the time out of their day to call in to my show and leave me such amazing voice messages. So Josh from JB Publishing, thank you. Colin from Spike Pit, thank you. Andy from Unguarded Treasure, thank you. And Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, thank you for leaving me the message and thank you for running an awesome game of ICRPG, man. That was great. And I don't know if I said ICRPG Variety Cast or Nerds RPG Variety Cast, but I'm not going back to check. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of voice messages, I have a few more from Spencer from uh, Keep Off the Borderlands and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast uh, talking about my conversation on fear around the gaming table. And I wanted to give them the time and space that they deserve, so I didn't want to squeeze them into this episode. Therefore, they will be out in an upcoming episode soon. I have not forgotten and I am not ignoring them. And lastly, folks, if you want to leave me a voice message, you can go to Anchor and leave it there. I included a link in the show notes, but I would love to hear from you. I, it's, it just makes my day every time I get a new voice message. It really, really does. Even if you just want to call and say hi or, hey, you're an asshole or whatever. Do it. It's awesome. Thank you so much. And until I talk to you again, peace out. Peace out.